Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Peddling Fiction. I am your host, the voice and soul of so-called fiction. Back with you once again, Johnny Perfida. Thank you all so very much for tuning in once again. For those of you not familiar with the program, I talk about politics and current events, a little bit of economics from a libertarian point of view. And the holidays are upon us, so my schedule is a little up in the air right now. I will not be consistently putting out two episodes a week, probably until uh, the beginning of next year. I'm not quite sure when I will be recording. It's just a matter of how things are going to go. I've got family coming in tomorrow. My sisters are coming in from out of town and they're going to be with me until Saturday, and then we're all heading up to Milwaukee for Christmas at my parents' place. So um, that will this will probably be the last episode this week. I don't think I'm going to do another one. It's been a, a fairly slow news week anyways. It's all just impeachment talk. <laughs> surprise, surprise, which I've already gone over ad nauseum. So after that, I'll I'll probably get one episode out later next week. And then let me see what the calendar looks like. Mm. Yeah, and then we have New Year's. And then, yeah, we'll welcome in the New Year. So we're we're looking at probably one episode a week until we get into January, just so you guys are aware. But you should be spending time with your family. It will be the only time where I recommend... You aren't listening to the podcast <laughs> two days a week or whatever it is because you have uh, family to be with, things to celebrate. So, you, you know, when you're driving up to see the family or whatever, you can put on the podcast and then enjoy some family time, unplug for a little bit, try to ignore all this impeachment nonsense and um, ring in the new year with some good vibes. So once we hit January, though, we will be going pedal to the metal two days a week, usually um, Mondays and Fridays. I, I'm going to try to stick to that schedule. But anyway, you know, I debated for a while. You know, I, I had a couple things come up earlier this week, which is why I didn't do an episode on uh, Monday or Tuesday. It's now Wednesday. And I've been debating what to talk about on this show, this episode, because... I'm just so sick of all this impeachment nonsense. I've already done several podcasts on it. I I think I've covered just about everything I can. But now, you know, today the the House is going to vote to impeach the president. And I I have to say, you know, I I, I called this one. 
I, I was right from the beginning, if you remember, if you've been listening to the show the whole time. As soon as all of this impeachment talk started, I came right out and said, the president will be impeached, but he will not be removed from office. And I know there's probably a lot of people out there who think being impeached means you are removed from office, but that is not how it works, okay? For anybody out there not familiar with the process, the House can vote to impeach the president, and then it goes over to the Senate for a trial, and the Senate then votes to, to determine whether or not the president is removed from office. And, I mean, this is... <laughs> I don't really want to make more of this prediction than it was because it was pretty easy to see. It's obvious that this was just a clear partisan play by the Democrats and that these votes would fall along party lines. So it was pretty easy to see if you looked at the makeup of the House and the Senate that they would have the votes in the House to impeach him and they would never have the votes in the Senate. So that's what's going to happen. You can mark my words. He will not be removed from office. Uh, by the time you listen to this episode, the the House will probably have already voted to impeach him, and he will join the likes of Andrew Johnson and Bill Clinton as the only two other presidents to be impeached. Nixon, they brought articles of impeachment against Nixon, but he resigned before they could actually vote on it. He resigned from office before they impeached him. He probably would have been impeached. And now Donald Trump most certainly will be, so he will be the third of our presidents to be impeached. But like Andrew Johnson and Bill Clinton before him, he will not be removed from office. We have never had a president removed from office by impeachment and conviction. So there's a little trivia for you folks out there if you want to drop some knowledge among your friends when they're talking about how, oh, by Trump, you're going to be, you're gone now that you've been impeached. Well, no, not exactly. Not exactly. He's still there. You're still stuck with Trump. He's just been impeached. The Senate will not have him removed. Anyway, I, I, I went back and forth whether or not to do another episode on impeachment or if I wanted to talk about something else, but there hasn't been a lot going on in the news, and I generally try to attach libertarian principles and philosophy and ideas with current events that are, you know, things that are currently going on that, that I can apply our principles to to sort of illuminate things for the listeners. And what I want to talk about, the, the, the title of this episode is Our Sacred Founders, because I've been watching some of this impeachment coverage, and I, I listened to Nancy Pelosi on, on the floor of Congress today. I'm going to play some clips from that. And they just, apparently all the Democrats got their talking points to invoke our founding fathers and our Constitution and the sanctity of these historical institutions that normally they're denigrating every step of the way. Uh, I, I can't imagine a Democrat that, that, unless they're talking about impeachment, cares a rip about the Constitution or our founding fathers. And so I thought today I would break down that whole thing just to point out the hypocrisy of these politicians and the, this whole charade that they've been putting the American people through for the last month, month and a half, whatever it's been. It really does grind my gears to hear politicians talk about upholding their oath of office and, and protecting the Constitution when every single one of these people trample all over that document like it's their job. It drives me crazy 
in particular to hear Democrats talk about it and pretend like they hold it in such high regards. Republicans at least consistently pay lip service to wanting to uphold the Constitution and protect it throughout their entire political careers. They don't just invoke it in certain instances. It's all they talk about. It's just the fact that they govern in the exact opposite fashion of what they talk about. But none of these politicians actually want to do that. If they were, any of them were interested in this, we wouldn't have the largest government the world has ever seen. Because that was the whole point of the Constitution, was to restrain the federal government. That was it. So how did we go from the smallest government in the world to the largest government in the world if all these politicians are so concerned about upholding the Constitution? This is nonsense. And we've just been inundated with all this talk about democracy and the founding fathers and uh, the oath of office and the Constitution. And, you know, it's funny because I always talk about how statism is a religion and how democracy is one of the holiest of holies this holy sacrament of, of the religion of the state, and to the left, to the Democrats in America, at least in the abstract, nothing is more sacred than democracy. I mean, this is their holy grail. And it's getting to the point where it actually seems like they agree with me. If you listen to this, this clip of Nancy Pelosi and the words she chooses to use when talking about democracy, it's like she believes it's a holy sacrament as well. It's pretty incredible. So without further ado, here is Nancy Pelosi from the House floor. We gather today under the dome of this temple of democracy to exercise one of the most solemn powers that this body can take, the impeachment of the President of the United States. No member, regardless of party or politics, comes to Congress to impeach a president. But every one of us, as our first act as a member of Congress, stood on this historic House floor before our beautiful American flag and raised our hands in this sacred oath. I do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. So help me God. For 230 years, members have taken that sacred oath, which makes us custodians of the Constitution. But... Very sadly now, our founders' vision of a republic is under threat from actions from the White House. That is why today, as Speaker of the House, I solemnly and sadly open the debate on the impeachment of the President of the United States. Okay, let's pause it right there. I, I'm sure she's dying inside. She's all broken up. Yeah, uh, nobody goes to Congress to impeach a president, except for the fact that they've been talking about impeaching Trump since before he even took his oath of office. <laughs> and I, I just can't believe that Nancy Pelosi is still with us. Who keeps voting for this woman? I, I mean, I can't tell if... She just can't talk because her teeth are falling out of her head or she's just a lush and she's hammered all the time or a combination of the two. But I mean, she sounds like my drunk grandma a after a couple bottles of wine at, at, a, at Thanksgiving or something like that. She can't even get the words out. And she's she's in charge of all this. Uh, OK, this is this is who we're going with. And as I'm going to get into later on in this episode, just the idea that they're going to feign outrage 
at a politician not upholding their oath, their sacred oath to the Constitution. I mean, that is laughable. That is laughable. For 200 years, our republic was sacred, and now it's under attack. And now, all of a sudden, that the evil Donald Trump is in there, the uniquely evil president. Now, only now, is our republic, the, the vision of the founders, under attack, right? Uh, okay, yeah, this just started. This just started in the last three years uh, that Donald Trump's been in charge. Uh, since he entered the White House, now our republic is under attack. I mean, give me a break. Does anybody actually believe that? Does anybody that has one ounce of familiarity with the founding fathers, our founding documents, the, the birth of this nation. Do they really believe that up until a couple years ago, we, we've been doing exactly what the founding fathers had envisioned? I mean, really? Okay. Yeah, okay. Nancy Pelosi has been such a steward of the Constitution. She has upheld and defended every last word in that. She hasn't called it a living, breathing document that needs to change with the times. None of that. None of that. She's been the, the utmost, the best custodian of the Constitution that you could imagine. And in fact, every Democrat has. That's all they do. All they do is ooze love and admiration for the Constitution and protect every last word to their dying breath. <laughs> okay. Yeah. How do they say this shit with a straight face? Oh my God. Just well, keep going, Nancy. Tell us how important this is. If we do not act now, we would be derelict in our duty. It is tragic that the president's reckless actions make impeachment necessary. He gave us no choice. What we are discussing today is the established fact that the president violated the Constitution. It is a matter of fact that the president is an ongoing threat to our national security and the integrity of our elections, the basis of our democracy. The president used the power of his public office to obtain an improper personal political benefit at the expense of America's national security. When a president weakens a Democratic ally that is advancing American security interests by fighting an American adversary, the president weakens America. Sadly, the American people have witnessed further wrongs of the president, which necessitate the second article of impeachment, obstruction of Congress. When the president's wrongdoing was revealed, he launched an unprecedented, indiscriminate, and categorical campaign of defiance and obstruction. Never before in the history of our nation have we seen a president declare and act if, act if he is above the law. The president goes even so far as to say and act on this absurdity when he says, Article 2 says I can do whatever I want. No, it doesn't. That recklessness is a profound violation of the Constitution and our republic which endure because of our system of separation of power, three co-equal branches, each a check and balance on the other, a republic, again, if we can keep it. Today, we are here to defend democracy for the people. May God bless America. I yield back the balance of my time.
Ah, yes. So Trump has forced her hand. This is unprecedented. <laughs> I mean, I've covered all that stuff in previous episodes, so I'm not going to get into it. But if you notice the language that she used around democracy, at the beginning of that, we gather here today in the, in the under the dome of the temple of democracy. We're going to defend democracy for the American people. Very interesting choice of words there, the temple of democracy. It would appear that she agrees that this is just a religion. This whole thing is a religion, and this is just one of the many sacraments, one of the ceremonial things that we got to do. And, and, you know, they can claim to be desperate to protect our democracy all they want, even though, as you just heard, she seems to use democracy and republic interchangeably as if they're the same thing. That always drives me crazy. But if they're so concerned about democracy and the democratic process— why can't they just wait until next year's election and let the people decide? Let democracy prevail, as they just did over in the UK. I mean, isn't that supposed to be how this whole thing works? The politicians aren't supposed to decide things. We are. We the people, right? And oddly enough, over the last few days, new polling is out suggesting that the majority of people no longer support impeachment. It's completely flipped from where it was initially. And now more people are against impeachment than are for it. So if you really cared about democracy, that sacred temple of democracy in which you're standing, and you care about what the majority of people want, and you want to represent what the majority of people want, as this whole thing is designed to do, right? We're supposed to get representation from Congress. Then you should stop this impeachment inquiry immediately because the people don't want it anymore, at least not the majority of people. Only 45% of people support it now. 50% of people uh, are against it. So uh, it seems to me as if the sacred holy sacrament of democracy has spoken. But of course, you can go back and listen to my last episode or the one that I did on Hong Kong where I utterly destroy the concept of democracy. None of these people actually believe in it. None of these guys believe in democracy when the rubber meets the road. Even the people, even the voters who participate in our sacred democracy don't believe in it. They like to talk about it in the abstract and preach about its virtues, but they don't like democracy. Nobody likes democracy unless they're in the majority. The 51% who get to impose their will on the other 49%, sure, it's a sacred institution to them, that, that, you know, we can't question it, we must not be questioned, it needs to be defended to the ends of the earth. Why? Because it's providing them with the justification to rule over the other 49%. That's what it is. That's why it needs to be worshipped to the ends of the earth by all the statists out there. And there are some brilliant libertarian minds out there who have made this point before. I think Dave Smith comes to mind, but... Everybody would agree that what I talk about on this show, how the state is oppressive, how it's a monopoly on the use of force, it's illegitimate at its core, and it's inherently evil. Everybody would agree with what I'm saying if we didn't have this democratic process of voting. And that's why it must be worshipped. That's why it must be this noble thing that has to be protected. Because it's what gives the state all of its legitimacy. Everything that our rulers do over us is legitimate because, well, the people voted for it. If 51% of the people want it, then it's, regardless of what it is, it's, it's clearly legitimate because, well, majority rules, I guess. 
And it's all just so ridiculous. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Like if we just got rid of elections and we still had a government, but they just decided whatever the policies were going to be. They decided how much funding goes to education. They decided what your income tax rate's going to be. They decided what all the rules and regulations are going to be that govern the nation, right? But we didn't vote on it. Well, then that would be a tyrannical dictatorship and uh, oppressing the people, right? But if you vote for politicians and the exact same things happen, you have the exact same policy outcomes, then all of a sudden it's not tyrannical somehow. I mean, this is all just nonsense. But we can't question it. We can't question the holy sacrament of democracy. It's literally how they justify everything that they do to us. Everything. And I remember when, when these politicians get elected, they, they claim to have a mandate now. President Obama had a mandate because he won the election. And Donald Trump's got a mandate because he won the election to do everything that he talked about on their campaign, right? This is what the people want. The people have spoken. I have a mandate. Well, I mean, even if... Actually, let's go back to the the episode I did last week on Brexit. Brexit's a great example because let's say that they never actually have... They never achieve Brexit, right? Which is entirely possible, I have no confidence that they will actually be able to exit the European Union. But we'll see. Even though the people voted for it twice now, the second time in even more overwhelming fashion for a Brexit. But the the government just decides that, yeah, we're, we're not going to Brexit. We're not going to exit the EU. <laughs> it's, it's like, well, okay, uh, that's a failure of democracy, right? Democracy didn't prevail. The majority of people who voted to Brexit aren't getting what they voted for. They aren't being fairly represented, right? And so now the, I don't know what it was, 55% of the people who voted for Brexit aren't going to get it. This is tragic. This is horrible. This is oppressive, right? But if they were to exit the EU, then that terrible, horrible, tragic thing is still going to happen to the the 45% of people who don't want to Brexit, right? So it's, I mean, it's not that much better in terms of representing the people. It's only 10% better, right? 55, 45. All democracy is, is that horrible thing that was going to happen, that horrible oppressive thing that was going to happen to the 55% of the people happening to whatever the, the minority is. Doesn't sound that great when you actually think about it, does it? which is why it needs to be cloaked in all this religious dogma. And you must be a good citizen, fall in line, and never question the process, never question the religion of the state, don't question the church. That's blasphemy, right? This whole thing is just crazy to me. I don't know, but equally crazy, I'm, I'm getting a little off track here, equally insane is the idea that Democrats give a rip about the Constitution and the founding fathers of the country. I mean, you heard Nancy that Donald Trump isn't is undermining the vision of the the founding fathers, and he's not upholding his oath to, that he swore to uphold uphold and defend the Constitution. Right? Well, Nancy's not alone here. In fact, all of these politicians now are very concerned about the sanctity of the Constitution and what the founding fathers would have wanted. Here we go. The presidential election was tarnished by foreign influence, a danger our founding fathers warned us about. What the founding fathers warned against. What our founding fathers feared most. Confronting what the framers warned us about. It's the opposite of what the framers wanted for us. His actions are in defiance of the vision of our founders. It is an outrage, and frankly, it's a, it's, it's a, a 
tremendous disrespect to the Constitution and to our framers. If uh, Washington were here today, if he were joined by Madison and Hamilton and other framers, what do you believe they would say if presented with the evidence before us about President Trump's conduct? I believe the framers would identify President Trump's conduct as exactly the kind of abuse of office, high crime and misdemeanor that they were worried about. Okay, I can guarantee you that if Washington and Jefferson and Madison were here today, they would be far more concerned with all of the other government overreach, the 99.999% of things that government's doing that is unconstitutional, that is an overreach of their authority, that is in direct defiance of the documents that they put their lives on the line to enact. I think they'd be far more concerned with that. I mean... I don't even know where to start. The Constitution that the Democrats undermine with every breath that comes out of their mouth. The Constitution that is a living, breathing document that needs to change with the times. I mean, they call themselves progressives, which is the exact opposite of someone who would claim to want to uphold the historical institutions and the founding documents, right? I thought they believed them to be relics of the past that need to be modernized and changed. I mean, what part of the Democratic platform is upholding and defending the Constitution? Because from where I'm sitting, they're undermining the First, the Second, the Fourth Amendments every chance they get. I mean, the Second Amendment, Jesus Christ, it's pretty clear. In fact, it's one of the most straightforward, succinct parts of the Constitution of all the amendments. Shall not be infringed. What part of that don't they understand? And if they read the Federalist Papers, where the Founding Fathers, who they adore so much all of a sudden, debated the meaning of all the carefully chosen language within the Constitution, and make no mistake about it, they, they thought of those words very carefully. They debated the meaning of every single word in that Constitution, which is why it's so short, because and, and, every word has a specific meaning. They don't dance around anything. But if you read those Federalist Papers... They make it obvious what the objectives of that amendment were. And it wasn't for hunting, and it wasn't just for muskets. It was to keep the population well-armed to deter tyrants and so that they would be prepared if and when the time came to rise up and take arms against an oppressive government, which is something they just got done doing. I don't recall a single Democrat referencing the sacredness of the Constitution and invoking the Founding Fathers and talking about all the things that the Founders would have wanted when they were trying to get rid of the Second Amendment, when they're trying to get their gun control passed. No, no, no. Then all of a sudden, it's just an old, outdated, racist document, right? Or what about all these Democrats talking about doing away with the Electoral College and going towards a pure democracy? I mean, that was literally the one thing that the Founding Fathers were trying to guard against. Tyranny of the majority. They loathed democracy almost as much as I do. It's why they put all of these checks and balances into place that Nancy was talking about. The co-equal branches of government. It's why the House has elections every two years and the Senate has elections every six years so that hopefully they don't fall victim to some trendy fad idea that's sweeping the nation. And it's why they have all these rules when they, get, when they have to get you know, a two-thirds majority in the Senate to remove the president and two-thirds of the states to amend the Constitution and all of these really difficult thresholds to overcome that impede the government's ability to take action. That was all by design to try and protect 
the Republican form of government the Constitution guarantees. She even quoted Ben Franklin. Remember Ben Franklin when he was asked what form of government they had given the people? And he responded, a republic, if you can keep it. I can't believe she quoted him. I mean, she did the best she could. She slurs all her words. But obviously, we couldn't keep it despite their best efforts to ensure its endurance. It is long gone, thanks in large part to politicians like Nancy Pelosi. And speaking of the founders, the ideas that the founding fathers, the framers of the Constitution, had for this country, uh, the ideas they had of limited government, individualism, free markets, avoiding foreign entanglements, the idea of a federal government as a necessary evil that needs to be bound and restrained in the chains of the Constitution— a government that should be so small and insignificant that you can barely notice it? Does any of that sound like something that would come from the Democratic platform? From any of these Democratic politicians? And by the way, Republicans aren't much different in that regard, except in their rhetoric. Like I said, they pay lip service. They consistently pay lip service to those ideas. And they just govern exactly the way a Democrat would. <laughs> they just talk differently. But Democrats are the party of the nanny state, of cradle-to-grave, government-provided care, of a government solution to every problem. They believe that the government exists to provide you with stuff. They want the government to provide schooling, housing, jobs, food, clothing, transportation, health care. They should be in charge of the environment and the oceans and the forest. I mean, you name it. If it exists and people want it, the government should provide it as a human right. They should and they can tax you 50, 60, 70 percent, whatever they need, if you're wealthy, in order to provide such things. I mean, this is what they believe. They've told us this. Now, does that sound like the small, barely noticeable, limited government that the founders envisioned? The founders who essentially went to war over a 2% tax on tea? Could you imagine if what that guy said, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson were here today? What they would do if they found out that not only all the unconstitutional things that the federal government is doing, but that they confiscate 30% of most people's income basically right off the top, and then you have a sales tax. In Chicago here, it's 10.5%. Tariffs capital gains tax, inheritance tax, entertainment tax, bottled water tax, plastic bags tax, property tax, alcohol tax. The list goes on and on and on. What do you think Thomas Jefferson would do? I mean, they would be shooting these politicians. They would be hanging them from the gallows, tar and feathering. We're not a free people. We're not a free people that are in control of the government. We don't have a bunch of strong, independent states that can keep the federal government in check. Because remember, the states created the federal government, not the other way around. And the founders envisioned a system where if the federal government overstepped its bounds, the states would step in and stop them. Nullification was Thomas Jefferson's big idea. Uh, it's sort of like his safety net against an overzealous federal government. And the idea was that if the states didn't like something the federal government was doing, if they thought that they were acting against the Constitution. If something the federal government was doing was unconstitutional, well, they could, they could void the act. They didn't have to obey. They could nullify it. They could say, yeah, no, no, we're not doing that. 
That's unconstitutional. The states were supposed to be the final arbiter of that, not the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court, yeah, sure, they can render an opinion, and the states can be like, yeah, no, we disagree. (laughs) We're not doing that. That's how it's supposed to work. That was the founder's vision. We don't have that. We don't have states nullifying federal law. We have the Supreme Court declaring the law of the land. We are so far away from the vision of the founding fathers and the framers of the Constitution. It's ridiculous to even bring them up anymore. They're all rolling over in their graves. We're not a free people if we submit over half our income to the state. We're all slaves to an all-powerful government. The founders wanted to create the smallest government in the world, the smallest government the world had ever seen, and what we have now... Thanks to all these politicians like Nancy Pelosi, thanks to the government-controlled education system, apathetic electorate, and, and the inherent nature of the government to grow like a cancer, what we have now is the largest, most powerful federal government the planet has ever seen. They control every aspect of our lives through rules and regulations and taxation. They spend over $4 trillion a year that they steal from us. They have the biggest, most powerful military, militarized police forces roaming the streets, as I talked about in a previous episode. They control where you can live, what you can learn, how and where you can work, what you can build, where you can build it, what happens to various parts of the land. Uh, I mean, the, the EPA has a SWAT team. The Department of Education has a SWAT team. They have a monopoly on a fiat money supply. Which, by the way, that Constitution thing that everyone's talking about upholding and swearing an oath to, uh, the Constitution was utterly clear about that as well. That they had the ability to coin money and regulate the value thereof, and that gold and silver, only gold and silver, would be legal tender. They weren't supposed to be printing money backed by nothing. And it's not because they were unfamiliar with fiat money. No, no. Everyone likes to think that we're so progressive now with this fiat money system. No, that's a relic of the past. That, they dealt with that. They just got done going through a period of hyperinflation after their first experiment with paper money backed by nothing. Have you ever heard of the phrase, not worth a continental? Well, if you haven't, it refers to something, anything that is completely worthless, essentially. And the phrase comes from back during the Revolutionary War, the Continental Congress issued its first paper money backed by nothing. This is how they tried funding the war. This is how we fund all of our wars. You want to you get rid of these endless wars and this military warfare industrial complex? You got to end the Fed because that's how we fund it all. We just print the money. And that's exactly what they tried to do. The Continental Congress was running the printing press and all those bills They weren't called dollars. They were called continentals, okay? And by the end of the war, they had created so much inflation by expanding the money supply, expanding the supply of money in circulation, that the bills had become practically worthless. They would have to wheel around wagons of of money just to buy a, a few provisions. Hence the phrase, not worth a continental. So they were very specific about only gold and silver being used as money. You think any of today's politicians, especially the Democrats, but literally all of them, with maybe the exception of two that I could think of, 
a Rand Paul and a Thomas Massey maybe, would return us to a gold standard? Would end the Fed? Of course not. That's crazy talk. Only you crazy fringe libertarians talk about that stuff. All of this stuff, the entire democratic platform, as I mentioned I think on the last episode, is the exact opposite of what the Constitution was about. It's all unconstitutional. And all of these politicians should be impeached. Every single one of them. I mean, everything that comes out of the mouths of the Bernie Sanders, the Elizabeth Warrens of the world, the government should provide health care, education, housing, food, transportation, loaning money. That's another thing. There's, there's no authorization in the Constitution for the government to loan money out to people. So all these student loans, that whole thing, that's unconstitutional. Housing loans, unconstitutional. Everything. Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, everything. Everything modern-day politicians champion is unconstitutional. I guarantee it. If the founders believed that those things could or should somehow be provided by government, they would have written them into the Constitution. It's not like they didn't exist back then. They had doctors. They had health care. They had housing and education and transportation. People loaned money out. So why didn't they write those into the Constitution? They could have written that, but they chose not to. It's not just an oversight, okay? It's a fundamental misunderstanding by modern-day politicians and modern-day Americans, the vast majority of the American people, as to what the role of government was supposed to be in America. And who do these politicians think they're fooling? Like, are they... Th I know Nancy Pelosi is old, but is she that senile that she hasn't figured out that all of this stuff is on tape? That I can just pull up a YouTube video right now of them trashing the Founding Fathers as racist slave owners and talking about taking down all the statues and renaming the schools and the streets and the flag is racist. Remember all the Betsy Ross flag, Nike shoes stuff, all that nonsense? I mean, 99% of the time, they do nothing but denigrate the framers of the Constitution, the Constitution itself, the founders of the country. They lecture us on how we have to constantly apologize and repent for our original sin of, as a nation. They do nothing but disparage the founding of this country until it's time to impeach the uniquely evil Donald Trump. Then all of a sudden, all those racist, slave-owning founders, all the old, outdated, racist institutions that need to be reinterpreted for modern times by today's politicians, well, now they're all sacred, and their sacredness is finally in jeopardy. It just became in jeopardy because of Donald Trump. Just in the last few years, what planet is she on? What planet have you been living on where... All of a sudden, all of these constitutional protections are finally coming under fire because they've been in jeopardy long before Donald Trump, okay? These politicians have been chiseling away at the chains of the Constitution since at least the, er the turn of the 20th century. I mean, there's practically nothing left. We could look at the Bill of Rights. They've shredded it. We got free speech zones, gun control, the Patriot Act, red flag laws indefinite detention, civil asset forfeitures, enhanced interrogation, judicial activism, federal supremacy, as we talked about earlier. All of that literally cancels out, what, the first, second, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, 
8th, 9th, and 10th amendments to the Constitution. That leaves just the 3rd. So thank God they haven't completely destroyed it. Otherwise, on top of all that bullshit, we'd have to quarter soldiers in our houses against our will during peacetime. That's the only one that they've managed to preserve. Thank you so much. And to act like this all of a sudden just came into being under Donald Trump because he made a phone call to the Ukraine is just, this is bizarro world, all right? I mean, it is over. The founders' experiment in limited government failed miserably. It's time we come to terms with that. It would just be nice to hear politicians just be honest for once in their fucking life. Just admit what this is. Just admit that this was a 100% partisan attempt at removing the president because you don't like him. And all your other bullshit investigations failed. Why can't they just come clean? I mean, that's what it is. That's why it was so easy to predict. I knew as soon as the topic came up that this would be a vote strictly along partisan lines. And that's how I knew that he would be impeached, but he wouldn't be removed from office. Because Republicans controlled the Senate and they didn't have the votes in the Senate. Everything that they've done, everything from the day they mentioned impeachment until the vote in the House today, it's all a charade. It's all a show to give you the illusion of a process, just like with the FISA court stuff. Oh, well, we have this process in place, and we followed all these procedures, and see, if this was just a witch hunt, we wouldn't have gone through all these procedural steps and worked late into the night last night with... Uh, figure out the, with the rules committee to determine that all the proper steps are being taken and blah, 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 blah. The entire past month or so that this has been going on is all just political theater. It's the show that they put on for you to rile you up and reaffirm your belief in the system and the process, the process by which your rulers rule over you. And make no mistake about it, both Democrats and Republicans love this impeachment. They're eating it up because it gives them all the ammunition they need to line their coffers with donations from all the lemmings out there that they can get riled up for impeachment. They get to send out email after email, text messages, phone calls. Hey, we need you to help uh, impeach Trump. The evil racist Trump is a clear and present danger to our democracy. So donate to our campaign. And then the Republicans can text their donors. They get, you know, they get to call you up and say, we need you to help defeat these Democrats. They're trying to unseat your duly elected president and cancel out your vote. They are trying to destroy our republic. Donate to save the nation today or I don't know, whatever. <laughs> it's funny because uh, one of my buddies jokingly signed up to get text messages from Donald Trump. And he literally sent me one uh, today that he got. I actually totally forgot about this until just now. Let me pull it up. It says, we noticed you haven't stepped up to defend President Trump before the impeachment vote. It's up to you to end this. Contribute now for a double match. He needs you on his side in this impeachment war. Donate now. I mean, they are loving this. Lining their pockets, getting rich, solidifying power, all at your expense. Literally and figuratively. And chances are, regardless of what side you're on, you're playing right into their hands. 
They could have skipped the last month and a half of bullshit procedures and hearings and witness testimony and dragging this whole thing out. It was all meaningless. It was all a complete waste of time. It obviously didn't matter to the Democrats what the witnesses said. They were going to spin it whatever way they wanted. They had already made up their minds. They've been talking about impeaching Trump since before he took office. Okay? Ah, but see... We have to maintain the illusion of the sanctity of our institutions as best we can and line our pockets in the process. That's what this is all about. And I hope that this polling is actually accurate. I have no way of knowing. And maybe there's a silver lining here that they've overplayed their hand and more and more of the American people are getting wise to this government scheme, uh, to all these lies that they perpetuate. This is important because the message these politicians try to convey to you that you heard Nancy Pelosi say, is that they're doing this for you, the American people. They're trying to save you and our sacred government and our our holy institutions of democracy from the evils of this president who's trying to destroy it. Nancy Pelosi claims her hand was forced, that she didn't want to impeach Trump, but she just had to on the behalf of the American people, that they're only looking out for you. Republicans claim that they're taking a stand to protect the sanctity of your vote and keep your president in power, when in reality, nothing could be further from the truth. They're all working in their own self-interest, just like everybody in this world works in their own self-interest. They're always, first and foremost, looking out for themselves. They don't care about you. They couldn't care any less about you. They don't even care enough about you to level with you and tell you the truth every once in a while. They care about themselves and all the power that is at stake. As long as they can maintain power and control, they couldn't give a rip about what happens to you and me. And that's another big difference between government and the free market, voluntary society that I'm constantly advocating for. It's not that... People operating in a market are any better or worse than government officials. It's that the incentives are different. You see, when people in government look out for their own self-interest, it's always coming at someone else's expense. Always. There is no way around it. And more often than not, it's coming at tens of millions of people's expense. But see, in a free market... When no transaction can take place unless it's voluntary and both parties agree to it, even when people are looking out for their own self-interests, they can only fulfill their own self-interests by satisfying someone else's. It's the only way it works. And the more people's interests that you are able to satisfy voluntarily, the more value you are able to provide for other people, the better off you will be. And that's why we need to do away with the evil institution of government, and move toward a free market, voluntary society. And I'm going to wrap there. Guys, if you like the show today, I need you to do a couple things for me. As usual, make sure you download and subscribe and share the show with at least two of your friends. Two people that you think might be receptive to the idea. One person that you think might just need to hear it. And please take a couple minutes to give me a rating and review on iTunes. Five stars if you think the show is worth it. Follow me on Twitter at Pedal Fiction. And if you want to go above and beyond the call of duty and donate to the show monetarily, you can do that at PedalingFictionPodcast.com. 
And if you can do all that, I will be back next week with a brand new episode, but I probably won't be talking to any of you until after Christmas. So Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and whatever else you're celebrating over the next week or two. And until then, just remember to keep on peddling that so-called fiction. Peace.